Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Funky Marketing Podcast. This time we are doing something a little bit different. We are starting with uh, Funky Marketing Top Voices. And today I have a pleasure to, to interview the first uh, person from the list. So uh, I hope I pronounced it right, like Sara Pion. Pion, you were so close. Pion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, in, in Serbia, we, we basically pronounce everything as it is written. So sometimes it can be... If no one gets it right. It's totally fine. Celine Dion really ruined the pronunciation for us. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that, was, that was it. Uh, so we kind of... Uh, we will do this a little bit different that, uh, than how we do it uh, usually on the, on the Funky Marketing Podcast. So we have a list of uh, set of questions. Uh, that we want to uh, go into and kind of go a little bit deeper than just than just like marketing, than just than just business. And so we're going to start from the from the childhood. But but first, uh, Sarah, please introduce yourself. Tell the world who you are, really are. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sarah. I I live in Boston. I was born and raised like right outside of Boston. So we call ourselves mass holes. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, a big East Coast girl. Went to uh, college in upstate New York, then came back down. Um, one of three girls. I'm the middle child. Um, I have an older sister and a younger sister and have been doing marketing for like three years, maybe a little under three years. And yeah, I've been liking it. <laughs> nice. I like it. I, th I think... Uh, you're familiar to me from from that period when you was uh, were in Drip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I worked at Drip for almost three years, and now I'm over at Alice. Yeah, probably like like that. I remember when we uh, when we ordered conversational marketing book while I was uh, working as director of operation in uh, in another agency, and like two weeks after we we got the book uh, that one scale. It one scale. So it yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. well, like, like they actually sent it two weeks after on their own expense. And I was like, man, that's how, that's how you do it by the book. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a busy time, but it was really cool. It was really fun. To, yeah, I, I to guess it's, it's interesting, like working in a startup, learning tons of things, especially in a startup that, that is growing the way that, that Drift uh, was growing. So yeah let's let's start from the from the, from the childhood as as i mentioned so what was your childhood like how did you how did you grow up in in my case i was like living only for basketball and for for reading books uh i was also a big book reader um so my childhood was great i liked it i had a fun time <laughs> um as I mentioned, one of three girls, middle child. And I feel like there are two different genres of middle children. They're either like the problematic ones or the ones that are the least problematic and kind of fall under the radar. And I was the least problematic one and fell under the radar a little bit. So did a lot of reading, was really close with my friends. Um, my family, like, were, we were very involved in our local uh, Jewish temple. So like my mom ran the kitchen. My dad was part of like the brotherhood and we went to Hebrew school for 13 years and would just like wreak havoc in this temple and like run around and entertain ourselves. Um, we also played a bunch of sports. My dad uh, didn't play a ton of sports growing up. So he enrolled us in all of them when we, when we were kids and then also was the coach for all of our teams. So he really liked to be involved. So Saturdays would be like 
basketball, figure skating, and like soccer, like all at the same time, even though those are like kind of different seasons, but like somehow they all fell on the same day. And so we were just like out and about all the time. I think we're all kind of ADHD. So it helped just like tire us out during the day so that we could come home and like not bother our mom. <laughs> yeah, that, that, sound, that sounds familiar. Like my, uh, I had another case, like my father was a basketball coach. So I kind of learned uh, to love basketball besides him and me and my sister. We were both like training basketball and going after, I think I trained for like 12, 13 years of yeah. my life spent like playing basketball and learning tons of things. And at the time, like in next Yugoslavia, it was the only chance to actually travel because there were sanctions. We couldn't travel outside of the country. So like I was lucky basically for playing basketball and being able to travel inside the country. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, well, there are a lot of things that uh, spark our creativity, but they they aren't really cool if you're not looking at them from the child perspective. Yeah, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah, so, uh, okay, so you're somebody who did so many things, tried like uh, different sports, does different things and from kind of a different background that, that what I have and maybe a lot of other people uh, in that way. So what was your first job? Actually, uh, it doesn't have to be like full time, but when did you actually earn something, sell something or like involved in anything? Yeah, I think in eighth grade, I started babysitting. Um, I we were big camp kids, which goes along with like getting out of the house so that we don't bother our parents. Uh, and so we were always around kids that were younger than us. And like I have a younger sister, so I started babysitting like her friends essentially when I was in eighth grade. Um, and then there was like the temple community who everyone had a bunch of young kids. So like ended up just babysitting like a few different kinds of families. That was like my first job where I like got paid and I remember my dad like sat me down and taught me how to budget my money uh, now that I was earning it. So then I like bought myself my own laptop. It was like a tiny like netbook, $300, like one of those things where you can like only, it was kind of like pre-Chromebook. It was just like small and like kind of shitty, but like I got to pay for it all by myself and my sisters didn't get to use it because it was mine. So that was like the first thing that I bought with like my job money, but like then actually being on payroll somewhere, I was uh, like, I worked at Brugger's Bagels in, in like freshman and sophomore year of high school, making sandwiches, worked on junior prom is quite a time, learned a lot, worked on Thanksgiving, all, all the things that you learn in food service. I started in Brugger's and then like worked in restaurants through high school and college as well. Just once you start working, you can't stop because now you learn like, or at least this is what my parents taught me of like once you start making money you're responsible for paying for like your phone bill or for whatever so like if you didn't have a job you had to dip into your savings to pay for those things so yeah once we started babysitting we didn't really stop working <laughs> yeah sounds, sounds familiar like i love these kind of questions because many people have different kind of answers and people have done so many different different things we all have like different backgrounds and we all grew maybe in the same way, but started started in a different ways. And it's always like uh, nice to see like 
oh, this is how Sarah started actually her journey or, or someone else. And I, I like that. And uh, tell me when it comes to all of that, now you're, I like to say that you're not even, even close to fulfilling your full potential uh, when it comes to work, but what were some of the, the tough things that you, that you experienced during, during your growth? I think uh, my parents did a good job of like teaching us work ethic uh, of like you need to go do a job and per perform it well like it doesn't matter what level you are just go and do it uh, and I think working in like the food service specifically taught me a sense of urgency of like you're not really working on your timeline you're working on someone else's timeline specifically the customers uh, and I think that kind of like seeps into how I work today which is like very much so exit like I am an executor which I'm like trying to work on to be a little bit more strategic but like I can get shit done all day um it's like taking a step back and like looking at it from a higher perspective that I am trying to like focus more time on um I think also just like that empathy that comes with dealing with people's food <laughs> um I'm just like having an understanding of the customer even if you're bussing tables at a restaurant or you're hostessing and you're just making small talk from the time that you like walk someone to the table to the time they sit down uh and and all of those kind of moments in between is not something that you think you're learning when you're working in a restaurant but like the minute you look back on it you kind of say and you can see like oh okay i was applying these concepts to my work like this is now I can see how this helped me to be where I need to be today. I love that. I love that. Uh, I mean, I, I used to think, uh, I used to see actually how some of the things that I didn't even connect to the to working in the in the business environment can be can be implemented. And like my background is in non formal education and like non profits. So I first learned how to. Uh, value other things than, than profit and then I got into the profit like okay I can actually sell everything so uh, I got into this and like management and leading the teams all those kind of stuffs I, I learned by organizing huge summer camps of like uh, 200 people from 18 countries and it's like totally crazy when you learn how to handle that and to get their feedback you can do it with whomever I love it yeah on, on the other side yeah and um so when it comes to that like did you did you have your biggest challenges when you when you started to work or they came a little bit later when you like grow into the role that you are now or where did it happen and and what was it yeah i think like the difficult days are very different between like working the takeout window at legal seafoods i had a lot of restaurant jobs um it to like being a marketing manager i think like the bad days at the takeout window was like there was a big order that came in at the same time as a small order and we accidentally packaged a small order in with the big order and then the people who ordered the small thing was very upset versus today i feel like uh, my challenges stem mostly from knowing where I want to be and the impatience that comes with that of I want to do that thing and I know that there are 17 steps in between where I am now and getting to that thing and like why can't I just be doing that thing right now uh but also then 
encountering those 17 things that I need to do and figuring out that they're way harder than just saying them out loud and actually having to execute on them. Uh, on, on top of also like trying to build a personal brand and uh, taking on side projects just so I can get as much experience as possible. But now I think that I, my like biggest struggles are time management, understanding where my priorities are for that end goal, and then like saying no and being able to measure the opportunities that I could potentially have. It's like a little bit, uh, like analysis paralysis of there's like so many things that I could be doing. Like, how do I make sure that what I'm doing is the right thing and what is the right thing actually mean and how is it defined and like, why aren't I there right now? And like, also calm down. You're only 25. <laughs> you have time to get there. So that's like a little sneak peek into my brain on a daily basis. It's terrifying. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean, I like it. We, we all been there. Actually, I hope that other people have been there. Uh, but like, um, one thing I'm interested in, like when you say you're doing a lot of things, I get, I guess you're sharing all those new learnings and things that you are learning with, with other people from your team or around you or whatever. Um, do you have a problem with with expecting something uh, out of them when you do it? Let me just give you a background, like. When I first became the GM, I was the, the, the last one that came into the company, like 15 people at a time. And uh, I did it because I did more, more than the others. I shared every step of my way with the others. But when I became GM, I needed to get that mindset that not everybody wants to, wants to be leaders or wants to, to be where I am, but they just want to work like eight hours, go home, do a decent job. And that's okay in some cases, like the triggers other questions, like do you want them in the company or no based on your goals? But from their perspective, that's just perfectly fine. Yeah, I think, um, I think that's, I encountered that more at Alice than I did at Drift. I think Drift did a really specific job of hiring people with energy who were super excited to be there, super bought into the mission, ready to work really hard, like a little bit of a homogeneous type culture because everyone was a little bit type A. There were, it was a very diverse company in terms of like backgrounds and all, all of the, like all of the general diversity metrics but I think the like mindset was a little homogeneous of like we are all very driven type a people who work the civic way and it works really well for drift because they they have hype and their hyper growth and their and their like their drift that's what their brand is I think moving to Alice a company that I say hires for empathy so drift hires for energy Alice hires for empathy uh, that comes with people who have different energy levels for different things in like life just in general um and so it might not be the, their work properly that gets them fired up but it's what they do for de and i or what they do uh in relation to uh being a working parent and like sharing how that flexibility affects their life or inflexibility affects their life there are different like things that pump these people up and so I think moving to Alice opened my eyes a little bit to uh, understanding that not everyone is going to be like super type a bought in like 120 percent to their exact job or the exact company but there's something else that gets them fired up um, 
and like figuring out what that is so that you can relate to them from nine to five, but also so that you relate to them more as like a person. You can like empathize with them and also understanding that like maybe working isn't like the end all be all and that's probably healthy. <laughs> uh, and so I think uh, Alice helped teach me about like that. Uh, I feel like I learned a lot at Drift, but I got to apply the learnings at Alice. So I was like ingesting a lot of like lessons and teachings and I'm putting them into practice at this at this new company. Like getting to the, to the next step. I, I, I love it again, actually applying. Uh, thank you for sharing this. Uh, I really, really love the way you compared like what it was like in Drift, what it is now at Alice. And, I mean, different companies hire for different reasons and we need yeah. to, to accept that. And also one thing that comes to my mind is there is just uh, that amount of people who are A players in the world. Like most of the people aren't A players, not even B players. So, but they have some things that, uh, that they're good at and some things that we just need to emphasize. And uh, if we can uh, fit them in the team, they will even sometimes give more than the A players uh, can give, depends on a, on a mindset and also the empathy that you, that you said. Yeah, totally. Uh, so let's get into, into some things that I uh, really like to, to hear your opinion about, because I consider you one of the, let's say, younger generation of marketeers that don't accept bullshit and they are loud when they, when they see it. Uh, I like that this is the culture that we are inspiring in, in funky marketing because like we want to get marketing back, back where it belongs. Like there was too many years of, uh, of madman marketing where like it was one way communication. Nobody cared about the customers and all the ethics, not even to mention that, but what is actually a bad marketing today that you are, that you are seeing around us? I think bad marketing is always kind of the same where it's just like you didn't do enough research for what you're like executing to actually be effective. And I think that comes maybe from like a top level pressure where like some CEOs still don't believe in the power of marketing uh, or like they themselves just come from a very traditional marketing background where it's just like do whatever the competitors are doing, but louder, which is not how people buy ever but like specifically now uh in a time where like specifically this year everyone just has their bullshit meters turned all the way up like we can tell from a mile away uh, i think right now it comes from just like trying to be the loudest person in the room even if the message and the messaging and the positioning that you have isn't good <laughs> uh and just like i think a lot of people are trying to capture attention versus driving action and so like you can capture attention very easily uh that's not what marketing is though uh it you have to actually like have something to show for your work uh, so if your ex gets this many impressions but actually no one converts then like that's a failed campaign you didn't like you didn't do it um of course there are like there are exceptions to that rule like you can't attribute everything in marketing but like if all of your marketing cannot be attributed you're in some hot water uh, yeah I like don't want to 
call out like specific examples that I've seen because that feels very pointed. But I think just like driving attention for the sake of making a splash without actually thinking, like sitting down and thinking about how this is going to like portray your company or like your messaging or like the webinar that you're promoting or the ebook that you want people to download. Um, yeah, I think copying competitors probably isn't a great move either because you're like people, people know <laughs> that you're you're doing a copycat thing. Um, I think, yeah, the the traditional way of doing marketing is just boring or like doesn't actually drive action or is full of so many buzzwords that no one actually knows what you're saying. Uh, I think now marketing should be like clear, concise, authentic, which means that you're not pretending to be anyone else. You're just being you and the company that you are from uh, and are associated with and uh, like working out loud. Like you can look up anything at this point. If you share your work outwardly, it's, you're going to be in a better spot just like in the market, but also like for your customers so that they know what you're working on. If everything's a secret, then people are going to lose interest. Great, great. So, so many, so many gems over there. Uh, I hope you guys are like using your pencils and writing things down or, or typing in. I'm like the, the writing guy. Um, I like it. And you reminded me of one thing that, uh, that is getting more and more specific these days. And it is like, there's uh, so many people doing so many, so many things in, in the specific industry, especially like in marketing. And it's not, it's not easy to, to separate yourself from the other, but uh, like you can, you can sell, everybody can sell today, but implementation and results are, are something that separates you from, from the others. And it is exactly what you said, if you are sharing uh, your processes, your results, things that you're doing behind behind the scenes, those are kind of the things that can make you different from the others. And like, it's it's easier to be yourself than to try to be someone else, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so uh, now I, I would like you to tell us a little bit about what you do at the Alice. Uh, about about the company, about the industry, and uh, going into that, also, what are some of the, the bullshit things that you that you are seeing around specifically where you are at the point? So let's get uh, a little bit deeper into that. Oh my gosh, this is gonna be fun. Okay, <laughs> um, so I am the brand content manager at Alice, which is a very like marketing -y type title, but essentially uh, it's creating content that amplifies uh, and opens the top of the funnel. So whether that be running our social media and making sure that we have a really specific voice on social and people can recognize our posts from uh, other people's uh, or uh, it's customer stories, customer reviews, and like customer uh, marketing, which is just like making sure that our customers are in a good spot, helping create content for the customer success managers to enable their, their customers, uh, but also like sitting down with, with the successful ones, hearing their story, telling their story, uh, and then also amplifying our customers. So we have like a customer appreciation and recognition program. Every week we highlight a member of our uh, customer base 
but not who they are from nine to five, our whole thing is the five to nine. So like, what do you do outside of work that makes you you? Because you bring your entire self to work, not just the nine to five part. Um, so that's just like a fraction of what happens. Like generally there's just like uh, uh, an event or an original series or something along those lines where I help with like the coordination and the planning and then what we do after with that content as well and how we repurpose it and distribute it organically. Um, and so what Alice does is we call ourselves a personal experience platform uh, that focuses right now on gifting. So we all have received direct mail. We all have sent direct mail. We've all have hopefully packaged the direct mail to feel the pain <laughs> of why you want to buy a direct mail vendor. Um, but well, we take a kind of different approach where you don't send us inventory and we don't warehouse it for you and we don't package it for you. Instead, you tell us who you want to send a gift to and we research them with like human augmented AI and we scrape their social profiles with interest tags and then we propose gifts in our marketplace of 30,000 merchants uh, and say, we think that this person would appreciate this because of X, Y, and Z. Uh, and that kind of helps you create a more personal relationship with the people that you want to do business with instead of sending people branded company swag as a first sort of moment that you want to create with them, send them uh, like dog bowl because they have a dog or send them like a kiwi box because they're a working parent at home with their kids and they need something to entertain them their kids or send them like a, an Etsy necklace because they really like Schitt's Creek and they know you know that Alexis wears the same necklace whatever that was very specific um, but that's kind of where the like the platform differentiates itself from other direct mail vendors where uh, you send a fulfillment and warehousing company your swag, your custom gift that you're going to send to every single person in this list and they send it out for you. Uh, whereas we're kind of more on the lines of like, you tell us who you want to send a gift to and we'll tell you how to create a personal ex like experience for that person through email and after uh, because you have all of these talking points. So it also takes a like power of choice sort of uh, view where you get an invitation to receive a gift. You can then like digitally see the gift that that person wants to send to you and either accept, exchange, or donate the dollar value. So it all uh, kind of stems from having a recipient experience um, and like a recipient first experience to direct mail, whereas like all traditional direct mail vendors focus on the sender. Uh, and we are like, okay, but who's actually receiving the gift and don't you want them to enjoy the process? That was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> of what we do um but the a, bullshit a very, a very a very detailed one uh, <laughs> very detailed. yeah i like you explain perfectly how we can use ai and customers first thinking to actually do do something good for the people and and help them i mean that's that's uh at the end something that we all want to do yeah for sure i, I, I hope at least I hope so too. I think uh, the second part was like the BS that I see in this industry too. And I think it's just like marketers being so set on the theme of their campaign of like, we're going to do this dinner at the MoMA. And there's going to be a telescope in the room. And so we're sending everyone mini telescopes as the gift, like as the invitation to this event. It's like, does the CMO that you're inviting to this event need a mini telescope? Like, or is that telescope going to end up in the trash and the only reason why you want to send it is because it aligns with your campaign, like in trying to convince marketers that like their marketing isn't about them while we're all teaching the market that marketing isn't about 
us, like worst marketers are still always focused on themselves. So it's that like mindset shift of just like, you don't need to send the like kitschy thematic gift that you think you need to. Uh, and you're going to see that even if you do find a personal gift for someone, they're going to exchange it for something that they want because there's no way that you can anticipate what someone needs or wants. And like, that's okay because that strengthens your relationship. And so it's a lot of just like marketers, like it's okay if someone doesn't like your marketing because you're learning. Like now you learned more about them, like apply those learnings, make it a little bit more personal the next time, like use that information that you learned in your outreach to them. of like, Oh, you didn't want this and said you wanted this. Like, are you interested in this thing or are you going to see these people? Or are you going to like see this sports game? Like whatever. Um, yeah. Just like reminding marketers again and again and again that it's not about them. Ooh, that, that, was, <laughs> that was something. And, and I love when other people are saying it without, without me having the need to say all, all, all those things that, I mean, that was the reason that I'm inviting all of you here to have a conversation and hear another view of, of, uh, of all the overview of, of the marketing or what we do and things that we are seeing over there. So uh, let's, let's uh, we're closing to the end and there is uh, also one thing I would like to, to discuss more and it is like if we have a topic outside of the work that we need to discuss more what would it be like looking at what what you are all about what you're talking about maybe it's it's food or is it something else uh like on this podcast or like in the world or like in b2b tech what should we talking about more like anywhere whatever comes <laughs> to your mind we we are free people here just a freedom <laughs> of speech is something that we are uh supporting <laughs> um I mean, yeah, food. What that's like in my Twitter bio, I think, is just like I'd rather talk about food. Uh, I think also just like talking about not really a concept or not really like a topic, but a concept of like finding that thing that lights you up that's not your work. Uh, and like enough with the small talk, like ask people like what's lighting them up right now or ask people like what they're working on on the side or like what do they do? What do they do on the weekends that just like makes them never want to have it be the weekday. Uh, and I feel like it's really hard to have hobbies when you're an adult and you're very focused on your career, but like even, uh, going and doing a workout because that's the only way that your mind gets like gets turned off. Like all of those things where it's like, Oh yeah, everyone can talk about doing like mindfulness and meditation, but when you're ADHD, it's really hard to sit still. <laughs> and so like for me, uh, doing a workout turns my mind off and I get really like pumped about different things, uh, different like workout routines or like the, the like new memoir that I'm reading. Like I don't like reading business books. They're so boring. They're so unapplicable. Like I don't find joy in reading like business books. So I think that we should just like talk more about the stuff outside of our jobs that gets us pumped because that makes us a whole person because we're not all just our titles. Totally agree. I mean, I'm not reading business books either because I figure out like there is one point in each book that's different. Uh, like 80% of them are kind of the same. They're using the same metrics, uh, but same templates. But also like when it comes to reading, I tend to read like more comics for me, this is something where I like learn how to how to 
uh, write copy, how to set up the scene, how to set up the expectations, what happens when the other person joins the conversation, those kind of things. And I didn't even realize it like uh, until recent. Yes, that's so cool. Like that's, that's really exciting. That's really uh, interesting. I feel like finding those lessons and being able to apply them to your nine to five is, is awesome. It just like puts the cherry on top of the fact that you enjoy doing those things. Uh, and it, it can flow into like the other three quarters of your life <laughs> or like half of your life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we are spending so much time uh, on the work, like going to work, getting back to work. I mean, now when it's pandemic, like we are actually not going to the office. <laughs> but but anyway, I, I was when I was starting to, to um, let's say, learn how to how to accept the attention and those kind of things like building the brand and being the, the face of the company. Uh, like I felt that I need to do something outside of work just to get familiar with that. So like at, at the time my boss bought a, bought a huge like Jeep uh, and, and I said, okay, I need to do something, something else, but on a smaller scale. So, so I bought uh, a bicycle, which is like unique here, here in Serbia, like a cruiser and yeah. going around the city, people are uh, having all eyes on me. So, and I was like, yeah, and when there is a panic, when I need to be at my best, like, okay, I'm, I'm used to that. So I can, I can be more natural and like not kind of getting, getting stuck in, in what I should do right now because like attention is here. I'm living with it. So let's do it. Yeah, that's so cool. Oh my gosh, how fun. It's, it's interesting. And also like, I mean, having a river also helps like, or a, or a lake or a sea or whatever it is like yeah. you can just just relax and let let the water take away your your thoughts and and all the problems worries and everything that's that's yeah. uh, present or there as crazy as it sounds i started to enjoy running which a lot of people are like what uh but when it was like lockdown and we really couldn't do anything besides like take a walk outside i started running a lot and we have a river in boston we also have the ocean but it gets really windy so I was stuck to the river of uh, just like running like around this river. Uh, not like it turns my brain off. I could listen to a podcast or I could listen to a business book because I don't like to read them, but I'll listen to them. That's fine. Um, but it's just like turning, finding something that's like meditative, even if it's not sitting and meditating, uh, but, it, or it like helps you uh, like think more clearly or like I always had to stop and like whip out my notes and be like oh my god it just came to me like one of those things where like the ideas happen when you're not like racking your brain thinking for ideas or looking for ideas exactly i'm like i can't wait uh for the like new year's vacation uh <laughs> because like when this happens a lot of business ideas are, are coming up because i actually try to get away from the business and then they yeah. come up and uh but Anyway, like um, as a CEO, I'm trying to, to give myself a space to think a lot during the days, at least, at least an hour. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for now, I'm managing it. And I'm also trying to, to, um, to get the employees in that, in that mindset because like, we are doing creative things. And mm -hmm. to be able to, to do them, to be able to come up with good ideas and, and to do the job, like, we need some time to think. And I think in a lot of companies, a lot of agencies, like people are really 
do you work for eight hours? Well, an hour of that can be a time to think, just to not even, uh, I mean, you can go outside for a walk, but also you can like just scroll, look at the video on YouTube, whatever it is, the thing that keeps you going and like mm -hmm. get your thoughts outside of the work. I think that's something necessary for all of us. Yeah, totally agree. Cool. Uh, so there is one question, uh, the last question that I usually ask people, and it is, did we, did we miss something? There, is there a topic that you want to, to us to discuss further? Or maybe there, there is something, some message that you want to wanna say to people? So uh, here you go. Um, I think right now there's a, a lot of emphasis on in the marketing community to uh, like band together and like build the largest community that you possibly can so that you have the support system. And I think that that's super awesome and impactful and like helps you like build confidence in your work, but like no one else is going to do the work besides you. And so like lean on that community to help you do your work. Uh, but just, just having a community doesn't mean that yet that you have done what you what you want to do or what you need to do uh and i think that like maybe building a community could be your goal um but if it's to if it's to progress your career in a upward or horizontal direction uh lean on your community for help but uh don't get your worth from how large your community is because having a small tight-knit group of people who can help you is just as impactful as having a thousand people who might not be able to help you or is more impactful than having a thousand people that you're connected to that might not be able to help you. Um, so yeah, I think it's not the size of your community, but the strength and then how it helps you become better. Love it. Love it. And I love that you went into community because this is something that I'm talking a lot about. Uh, like we even have Jared Robin from uh, Real Genius to talk specifically nice. about, about building, building communities and like I can give a, a specific uh, advice on people here, just based on like LinkedIn, because uh, like the algorithm works based on the it shows you more the, the posts of the people who are you in uh, interaction with on a daily level. So mm -hmm. if you have some people that are close to you and that you want to be interacted every day, why don't you like create a small group? We have like a small group of like called marketing nucleus uh, from four or five marketers from all around the world, all, all of us have like a huge, uh, a huge follower base. So, and in the group, we basically talk about day-to-day -day things. So just mm -hmm. like help each other or give each other advice or just cheer each other if they have some problems and issues in family, those kind of things. And when you go to the, to the feed, you see the post of those people. And when you interact with them, you get uh, also seen by their community, by their followers and you just expand expand on everything and just by doing that you get a sort of small community maybe four or five people but sometimes that's enough just to to keep your perspective different than what it is uh, on a daily level yeah totally i think you're like they say your network is your net worth but your network doesn't mean anything to you if they're not engaged with you uh, so you like need to actually have relationships with the people that you want to like be in your community i think that's yeah like it's easy to like get really tied into the like vanity met metrics of like follower counts but it's really like the engagement levels that is uh yeah 
is like helpful uh, just to understand like is your is your content resonating but also like can you can you fall back and ask a group of people their thoughts and opinions on things and can you then do some applied learning and like use the lessons that you've taken or like have wrote about or are planning to write about and actually do them so that you have not only more content but more context not more context, more context. Uh, great. I think this is the, the, great, the perfect line for, for the end of uh, today's episode of Micro Marketing Podcast. Uh, Sarah, thank you once again from, uh, from being first uh, agreeing to be on our Funky Marketing Top Voices list and then to, for doing, doing the podcast with me. Uh, guys, I recommend you, you follow Sarah on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, as somebody who is like a few years older than Sarah, uh, I'm seeing a lot of uh, uh, things she is posting really different and like refreshing. And uh, that's why I recommend you follow her. She's, I uh, consider her as a, as a, as a leader of a uh, new generation of marketers that don't come up with, with uh, bullshit that we have here for years in the industry and really trying to, to change things up. Uh, so thank you, Sarah, and thank you guys once again for being here uh, and talk to you uh, on, uh, on the next episode.